Pop my message slide up there, Marshall. I know you're working on it. Sweet. Uh, two words that change everything uh, when it matters most. And as you know, this is the last message in this series, uh, focusing on the but God statements in Scripture. As you just reviewed, uh, we talked about but God when the going gets tough, but God when it's, life seems unfair, but God when the path is unclear, and but God when in doubt. Today I'm going to briefly highlight what I consider to be some of the most important uh, but God statements in Scripture, not that any of the other ones we've already looked at don't have great significance. But then a bit later in the service, uh, I'm going to tell you a but God story that has influenced each and every one of your individual spiritual journeys. Repeatedly throughout this series, I've emphasized that I cannot guarantee that you'll have a but God moment whenever you want one or whenever you need one. I wish I could. That would be nice. But it just doesn't work that way. However, today's but God moment is one that each and every one of us can and should experience because it speaks to the very essence of the gospel. We'll start by looking at... Apparently I broke the remote. Uh, There we go. Thank you, buddy. Um, Did you do that or did I... All right. Well, you're going to have to pay attention then. All right. Um, But God, when it mattered most for Jesus Christ. Now, there are a variety of but God statements, and they look at a variety of different folks. And uh, uh, we're going to just look quickly at a couple of passages of Scripture. Let me see. No, I still got no control. So if you give me the next one. You need the remote to reprogram it. Oh. What's that? Okay. All right, but God raised him, Acts chapter 2, verse 24, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. If you're familiar with the book of Acts, you understand that in Acts chapter 2 is when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came upon him in a mighty fashion. They're speaking in languages that they've never spoken in before, and everybody who's hearing him speak is hearing him speak in his their own native language. And Peter is just laying it out there. And he says, but God raised him, referring to Jesus Christ from the dead, freeing him from the agony of sin and death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Uh, next one. Acts chapter 3, verse 15. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. In other words, again, he's speaking to Jews and saying, you leaders of the church put Jesus Christ to death. But God raised him from the dead. Next one. Uh, but God raised him from the dead and on the third day caused him to be seen. So again, same message over and over and over again. Jesus was dead, crucified, dead, buried in the grave. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Next one. Acts chapter 13, verse 30. Just a clear, simple statement. But God raised him from the dead. Next slide. I went through those quick, but I just want to stop and understand what we just listened to, what you just read, what I just spoke. That's the essence of why we're here. That's why any and all of us have a hope for but God moments when the going gets tough, when in doubt, when life's unfair. 
is because of what we just heard. Mankind was living in a fashion that had separated them from our God and our Creator. And out of His deep love for the people whom He created, He devised a plan to bridge a a gap that we can never bridge ourselves. And that plan included sending His one and only Son who had lived a perfect life to pay the penalty for our sin. And he was arrested. You know the story. Beaten. Crucified on a cross. All to pay the penalty, not for his sins, but for our sins. Put in the tomb. But God. But God. But God. But God raised him. When it mattered most for Jesus... But God stepped in and raised him from the dead. You guys tried really hard. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll go to the next one. Um, but God, when it matters most for me and you. Psalm 49, verse 15. But God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. The but God phrases that apply to Jesus can also apply to you and to me. That's something each and every one of us can say. But God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. Do you get the promise here, folks? You and I have been offered the same but God moment that raised Jesus Christ from the grave. Next slide. Ephesians chapter 2. This is from the uh, uh, ESV version. And uh, we're just going to read along. Follow with me, Marshall. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In those six verses, the essence of why we're here, the essence of the hope that we have. You were once, like everybody else, caught up in your transgressions and sins and separated for all eternity from your loving God and Creator. But then, God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, intervened and offered us something different. And that last verse there, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. 
But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In that next slide. Just steep in these thoughts for a moment. Jesus was dead and in the grave to pay the penalty for my sin and for your sin. But God chose to intervene, to raise him from the dead, victorious over sin and death. As we just looked from the Ephesians passage, you and I, you and I, were dead in our transgressions and sin, separated from God for all of eternity. And there was or is nothing we can do in our own strength to fix that. We just can't. But God invites us to share in the victory that Christ earned for us by responding to his invitation to enter into a real, personal, life-changing relationship with the Son of God and the Savior of men and women, boys and girls. But God. And most, perhaps all of you have heard it put this way before. That but God moment... But God, he demonstrated his love for you while you were still separated, or perhaps while you are still separated from him. That's the extent and the demonstration of his love. He offers you a but God moment to change your eternity before you do anything to be worthy of it. And again, as I said, some of you have heard it put this way before. In order to embrace that but God moment and make it your own, we have to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. We have to believe that he did die on the cross and then when but God intervened and raised him from the dead we have to believe that that happened we have to confess and acknowledge you know what yeah I've been making choices I have made the choice to live in a fashion that separates me from God I may not be as bad as the people next door but Don and Dennis aren't here, are they? Okay, I'm, not, I'm sorry. I may not be as bad as the people down the street or my in-laws or my outlaws or my worst enemy or my best friend. But I've been making choices that separate me from God. I have to believe that he is who he says he is. And he did what scripture says that he did for the reasons that he did it. And I have to confess that I have not 
put myself in a position. I've not responded to his offer. So I have to believe. I have to confess. I have to repent. Now, repentance can be a long process. But it starts with a decision to say, yes, I am going to walk a different path. Initially, when I make that choice, they may still be really, really close together. But ideally, as I continue to walk in my belief and to live out my confession and to live out my repentance, hopefully my path begins to diverge significantly from the path that I was on because I'm drawing closer to him and his plan for my life. And then I I have to simply receive it and say, you know what? Yes, I believe it. Yes, I confess that I've not been living in that relationship. And yes, I'm choosing, I'm, I'm repenting. I'm choosing to walk a different path. But I'm also making a choice to just say yes and receive the gift that he wants to give me. I have to receive that demonstration of his love that he offers me while I'm still walking in a path that is inconsistent. So today when I talk about, or when I use that phrase, but God, when it matters most, it seemed when I looked at those verses, I thought knowing that I was preaching to the choir, it still made it clear that I just needed to go back to basics with us and invite each of you to just think for a moment. Have I made that but God moment a part of my life? As most, if not all of you have heard me say on countless occasions, has it become something that is real, personal, life-changing love relationship with the God who demonstrated his love for me while I was still far from him. Would you bow your heads with me? I, I have no doubt that many of us in this room have said, yeah, been there, done that, made that choice, continuing to walk the path. But in light of the possibility that maybe there's someone here who hasn't embraced that but God moment, the one that matters the most, I want to give you that opportunity right now. An opportunity to say to yourself and to God, I believe. I I don't understand it all. I don't have to understand it all to believe that it's true. Most of us don't understand how airplanes work, but we believe that it works. We don't have to understand it all to say, I believe, I believe. Maybe today is your day to say, I believe. Maybe today is your day to say, I confess. I'm not a terrible person, but, but I've also been living with barriers in the way to that real personal life-changing love relationship. I I confess that. 
And I repent today, simply meaning I'm going to change that. I'm going to start striving in the power that you give me through your indwelling Holy Spirit, Father, to walk the path you want me to walk, step by step. And because I believe, because I confess, because I acknowledge a desire to change, I'm choosing today to receive you. I'm choosing today to reach up and take hold of the hand that you have offered me through the death and resurrection of your Son and my Savior. Today I receive you and enter into that relationship. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if, if you're making that decision, if you're saying, you know what, that's my but God moment right here, right now. If you're making that decision, I'm just going to have you just raise your hand right where you're at. Just as a way of saying, you know what, that's me today. That's me today. Okay. All right. All right. Those of you who raised your hands, you don't have to say it out loud, but just in your heart, just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you died for me. Dear Jesus, I acknowledge that I, I've been making choices, living separate from you. I, I confess that. Dear Jesus, as you will strengthen me and help me and guide me, I'm going to work and walk with you. Not in my strength, but in the strength you're going to give me. And dear Jesus, by raising my hand just now, I acknowledge that I'm receiving you into my heart, into my life. And that while I'm not going to be perfect when Pastor Steve says amen, I am receiving you. And I am going to be walking forward in a real, personal, life-changing love relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And for all of us, if you've already made that choice, I encourage you to make a determination to say, you know what? I've got a but God moment that has changed me for eternity. And with God's strength, I'm going to start walking every day differently with increased focus and attentiveness because I've got a but God moment that matters more than anything else. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite Michelle and the worship team to come back up. I said I was going to tell you another but God story, and uh, this is a, a but God story uh, about it being real and personal. And uh, it's a story that uh, I suspect many of you know bits and pieces too, but as I said earlier, it is a story. By your presence here in this room, it is a story that has influenced uh, your life and your spiritual journey on some way, shape, or form, again, whether you fully understand that or not. In 1981, uh, yes, there were not dinosaurs on the earth, but in 1981, uh, there was a young wife and mother who lived in the Twin Pines trailer park here in Albion. And she 
had plans and she had hopes and she had dreams, but God also had plans, hopes, and dreams for her. Now, it probably was not necessarily her, her plan or dream to have the vacant lot next to her mobile home filled. Um, because if you live in a mobile home park, been there, done that, uh, any extra space around your trailer is a bonus, all right? Um, so uh, in January of 1981, when a home was moved in next to hers, that may not have been what she hoped for or longed for. Uh, but God had a plan. She may not have been looking to make new friends because she was from the area and had plenty of friends, um, but God had another plan. Um, as that friendship grew um, and she realized that the crazy young couple that had moved in next to her were starting a church, um, there began to be perhaps a degree of spiritual curiosity. And in 1982, she chose to go to church with that young couple who had moved in and harassed her into attending. Um, As a result of that decision, she had a but-God moment. She was going about her life not necessarily looking for God, but God was looking for her. And the but-God moment that Susie Solis had in 1982 was to make the decision to enter into a real personal life-changing love relationship with Jesus Christ that not only changed the course of her eternity, but it changed the entire course of her life. Now, you'll have to ask her whether it was for the better or not, but uh, (laughs) I feel fairly comfortable in saying that in 1981, when but God began to intercede in her life, in 1982, when she made the, the but God moment of entering this relationship with Jesus Christ, a personal thing, I don't know that it was her vision to become a Sunday school teacher, but God led her in that direction. I don't know that it was her vision to lead women's Bible studies, but God led her in that direction. I doubt that it was her vision to serve in a leadership capacity, virtually every leadership capacity of the church over 37 years. But God led her in that direction, and she followed. I'm pretty sure it was not her vision to be on the platform leading worship. But God led her in that direction, and she responded. I hope you catch that at every step of the way, she made a choice to say, yes, I will follow, I will serve. Some of you know, um, this is the last official Sunday that Susie will be with us. We like to think she'll come back and visit, but we wanted to acknowledge this in some way, shape, or form. The problem is our hands were tied because Susie said we couldn't make a big deal out of it. We negotiated a compromise 
And so we're making a bit of a deal out of it, but not a big deal. All right. But as Dan prayed in the prayer time this morning, um, uh, <laughs> um, these are Susie's shoes. And you know what? Susie's going to take her shoes with her when she goes. So nobody needs to fill Susie's shoes. All right. Because you can't. Because you're not Susie. You don't have 38 years of putting up with Steve and Diana. You don't have 37 years of saying, Jesus, I love you. I will serve you. I will do whatever I can to help the ministry that I hold dear move forward. You can't, you can't fill these shoes. But the reality is there are voids that will be here because Susie leaves. That's inescapable. And you can't fill these shoes, but your shoes can help fill roles. All right? Now, you may be here for 37 days, 37 weeks, 37 months, 37 years, 74 years for you youngsters. What we want you to wrestle with, I mean, I I hope I don't have to say, I'm not even looking at her, I, I, I hope I don't have to say how much it hurts us personally and it hurts us professionally to see Susie relocate. But Susie will tell you, and we will tell you, it's not about us and it's not about her. It's about him. And I know that I know. Susie wants you to miss her. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, nobody wants to go away and have everybody say, we thought they were never going to leave. <laughs> but she wants us to be better after she's gone. That's that's the but God thing. Susie's gone, but God is still God. And God still has a place for caring community to make a difference. But we all have to step up on some level to help it be all that it can be. May not be exactly like Susie. Some of you shouldn't step up on the worship team platform. All right, I'll just be honest with you. All right. Some of you shouldn't step up and teach the kids because you might ruin them. (laughs) But I'm hard-pressed to think of very many roles Susie hasn't filled over her time. And I just invite all of you to think about how, how, where. Uh, A part of what, you can put these on if you want to cover up that hole in your sock. Um, um, uh, A part of what... I prayed, prayed with the prayer team this morning, and, and I just share this, and then, and then I'm going to have Susie come up and talk. Um, in Acts, there's a point in time where the church at Antioch looked at Paul and Silas and said, Paul and Silas, we're going to send you out to take the gospel to other places. Now, 
Paul and Silas were really, really talented ministers. They probably served on the LBA. They probably led the worship team. They probably taught Sunday school and children's church and Bible studies and preached from the pulpit. They did it all. But the church at Antioch said, we're going to send you out to take your gifts and make a difference somewhere else. And if you know anything about your Bible, a huge chunk of what follows that is Paul literally being used to change lives all over the known world because they sent him out. So, yes, Susie's leaving of her own volition. But let's look at it, and we'll pray over her in just a moment. But let's look at it as, yes, we're sorry to see her go, but we're releasing her to spend the next 37 years making another church better because of what she learned while she helped us to become better. Okay? So, Susie, I said I would give you a voice. Normally, I like to have the last word with Susie, uh, but I will give you a word if you would like to come up and say something. All right? So I really struggled with what to say today. So I'm going to try to keep it brief because... 37 years is a long time, and I could talk about a lot of things. But um, Pastor touched on the number one thing that was my but God moment on June 6 of 1982. And um, I have filled a lot of roles in this church, and I started thinking, what all have I done here? And I want you just to think about some place that I started and some place that I ended up in a frame of reference that you could do too. I started as a nursery worker because my two-year-old son cried and screamed in the nursery, so I wanted to be there with him. I ended up being a nursery coordinator at one point. I started out as a children's helper, ended up as a teacher. I started out as a Christmas musical helper, ended up being the leader. I started out as a youth group helper and ended up on a committee that Um, looked into the future of the youth group. I started out as a worship team member with only a hymnal and no instruments (laughs) and ended up becoming a worship leader. Um, I worked VBS. We started as kids club in our neighborhoods. Um, I was, I have been a helper, a photographer, a craft leader, a meal leader, a game leader, worked in music and skits as a teacher, and even a time or two as the coordinator. I've been on the prayer teams. I have done home visits and hospital visits. I've worked for the July 4th outreach the, as a harvest party helper, as a women's ministry coordinator, doing meals and showers. Um, I've been a Bible study leader. I've been on the cleaning team, and I helped physically build this building the first time. (laughs) And I was on the building committee for the second stage. So, and and I'm also a board member. I've been the secretary, the member at large, and even a brief stint as vice chairman. Thanks, Dan, for taking that over. (laughs) 
And I don't say all those things to lift myself up for things that I have done. But I want you to think and to remember, don't ever think that you are not capable of a leadership role. Amen. Amen. I was a very young 20-something-year-old, as were Steve and Diana. They started a church in their 20s. Don't ever think you are too young. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Don't ever think you're too old or that you've been here too long to start serving in a new area. Amen. Think about this. Abraham was 75 years old when God called him. Moses was 80. The first time God came to him in a burning bush at the age of 80. And we all know how long that journey was before the people were freed and they went to the promised land. And one of the easiest lies for us to believe about leadership is that I'm not leadership material. First Samuel 16, 7 says, The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. That's right. People That's right. look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at your heart. If you have a heart for God, he will equip you in the leadership role that he Amen. has designed for Amen. you. Amen. So I just, to end, I just wanted to give you all a commission by reading Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up in him who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I challenge you, as Pastor has, who's got next? Amen. Amen. For the roles that I have filled over 37 years. Stay connected to God, and he will show you the way. So, thank you, Pastor and Diana, for your leadership role that you have played in my life over 37-plus years. Thank you to each and every one of you sitting here in this church who has spoken into my life in so many ways over the years. And thank you to those of you who will lead this church into the future. Thank you. Yeah. Stay up here for a second. Diana, you want to come up? Oh, hold on. Watch your foot there. Oh, stay up here. Stay up here. Um,
Susie referenced the who's got next, and uh, in that series, I told a story about Moses, and when Joshua was fighting and Moses was out, uh, or Moses was up on the hill watching Joshua lead a battle, and I talked about Aaron and her, and how whenever Moses' arms got tired, Aaron and her stepped up uh, and supported him, and and again, um, a lot of you fill that role at different times. Um, but nobody has filled that role longer than Susie has for Diane and I personally as well as professionally. And uh, so I, I just, I cannot thank you enough for being an Aaron or a her. Probably her is more appropriate. <laughs> Different spelling, but her, but her in our lives. And uh, the other thing Susie referenced, was it June 6, 1982? Um, just daydream with me for a moment about 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. You looking back and saying, you know what, February 24th, 2019 was a day that changed me. It changed my connection to Christ. It changed my connection to Christ's church. It changed my determination to understand I can make a difference. And so in that light, uh, we do have a gift that we want to send with Susie uh, to uh, help her remember us with fondness. And Diana wrapped it as she does and made it virtually impossible to open that's why I carry a knife, but Susie was the first person to make a faith decision as a result of this ministry, and so her legacy is ours. Because that symbolized her giving her heart to Jesus and giving her heart to us, uh, we are sending her off with that to remember all of you by. So. a seat and uh, if you want to come up we're going to lay hands on Susie and just pray a commissioning prayer over her if you're not coming up just uh, raise your hand as, as a way of agreeing with us in prayer <sighs> Father I often say at funerals uh, that uh, long lives are a blessing and a curse and that they're a blessing that we have lots of time to make great memories and it's a curse that uh, sometimes the people we make those memories uh, leave this earth before we do. Father, Susie's not leaving this earth, uh, but it has been a blessing to make countless memories with her, to realize, Father, there are countless lives that have been changed, uh, lives we don't even know about that have been changed as a result of her willingness to invest 
in herself in your work uh, as a part of this local church. And so, Father, as selfish as we want to be and say, keep her here, uh, we understand that there's a kingdom beyond caring community. And so we do release her. We ask that you would keep her safe physically, emotionally, spiritually. We ask that you would open all the doors that need to be open. We pray specifically, Father, that you'll help her to find uh, a church that allows her to take her faith and her service to you to entirely new levels. We pray that as a part of that, some of her family uh, that is waiting for her up there will be led into faith, and they will have their own but God moment. Uh, but when Susie moved up here, our lives changed, for our eternity changed. We pray that in your strength. Father, we pray that you would never let us forget the, the investment that she made and how different we are because of it. We pray that her example will, will inspire us to make sure we're leaving our own, our own legacy behind and making a difference. Father, we look forward to fruitful ministry for her, and we pray that we would honor her investment by the way that we continue on as she has moved forward. We will continue to move forward as well. We thank you for her love. We thank you for her faithfulness. Uh, we thank you for her example, and we thank you for what you're going to continue to do in and through her. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, Michelle.